In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our text is the Gospel reading, which I've already read. God beckons us to a position of weakness and vulnerability, of faith in things that we cannot see and things that we cannot control. What we see, a man hanging on a cross, his followers persecuted, martyred, hungry, and things that we do not like. There are millions of reasons to reject the Holy Gospel, and it should surprise no one that it is rejected so often. Jesus is not a universalist. In perfect love, he has reconciled the world to his Father by his death. He has made atonement for the sins of the whole world, and even those who will never benefit from it. But some do benefit. He does not force his forgiveness on anyone. The majority of the Jews at the time of Jesus rejected the Christ. They could not be bothered for one lame reason or another. They had to go off to their fields or to their family functions. For some, the invitation even insulted them. Who is this God that deigns to invite us into his mercy as if we are beggars? They even killed the servants who were sent to them to bring them into the wedding feast. They, in turn, were also killed. Their cities were burned and destroyed. This was fulfilled partially in the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. But this wrath is not reserved for the Jews alone. So also were the empires of the Romans, the Aztecs, and the Soviet Union all destroyed. So will all the nations and kingdoms and power bases of men be destroyed because the world is evil. This is a warning. This parable today is not a missionary appeal hoping to guilt you into going out to work harder to win the lost. God does not need you to do that. It is his kingdom and he will take care of it. You cannot convince the devil to believe. But even though God does not need you, he wants you. And he wants you to do good works that include also evangelism. It is not your fault, then, when people reject the gospel, and it should not surprise you that they do. For while everyone has been reconciled to the Father through the death of the Son, not everyone wants it, and most, in fact, will refuse it. But this parable is not for them. This parable is for you. You need to be warned that everyone in the world does not go to heaven, and you cannot fix that. But you also need to be warned that not everyone who goes to church goes to heaven either. Some seem to come in, but they don't really believe the message of the gospel. They are like Peter, refusing to let Jesus wash his feet. They want the power and the glory that the Lord has to offer, but they do not want the cross. Whatever they are, they are not Christians. They come to the hall, but they will not be clothed by Christ and his righteousness. 
They refuse the wedding garment and stand instead in their own filthy rags righteousness. It is possible to come to church and yet be a self-righteous, self-satisfied hypocrite. You can fool the world all you want, but you cannot fool the one who sees the heart. The only way to come into the kingdom is if we reject our own righteousness and be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. This banquet is for beggars only. Beggars who need a garment that was not their own. Now, this is great news if you are a beggar, but it's terrible news if you're not. Jesus says to you, get those filthy rags off, go over there, get sprayed down for lice, This is not good news if you aren't lousy and you have something else to eat. But if you are lousy, homeless, dirty, and hungry, this is the greatest news that you could receive. And the surprise is that the initial humiliation is but fleeting. What seemed to be a stern warning was actually a loving invitation. We find ourselves not in the hands of a prison guard, but we find ourselves with a God who loves us, who lovingly clothes us with his own garments, who calls us and makes us lovely. He who gave his life for ours gives us a place to live and a family full of helpers, a banquet of the finest food and freedom from sin, from death, and from the power of the devil. This parable, then, is a call to repentance, and it is a promise of God's steadfast mercy towards us. The servants gathered everyone they found. They made no distinction. This is good news for sinners and those who cannot help themselves. It doesn't matter how lousy you are, how infected, how contagious. They are all gathered in, both bad and good, dirty and clean, smart and stupid, industrious and lazy, and everyone is clothed with the same gentle hands, and everyone eats of the same single bread of Christ's body, and everyone is proclaimed to be the lovely bride of Jesus himself, cleansed by Christ, fed by Christ, clothed by Christ, and loved by Christ. Dear saints, this is the central point of the Christian faith. God has done all of the work for us. He provides all of the grace. You haven't been good enough. We said so in the intro at today. We don't deserve to be in his presence, to eat his very body and blood, to call Jesus Father, our Father. And yet this is what Jesus wants for you. In fact, he has paid the price that these things might be yours. We, on the other hand, seized and killed not just the messengers, but the very Son of God. And he has welcomed us into his kingdom as replacement sons. We get what we tried to steal. We neglected or confused his doctrine and made up excuses, but he remains steadfast in his mercy. 
He gives us his word. He speaks to us in kindly tones and restores us in the absolution that we heard just moments ago. In the word and in the sacraments, he speaks to us, declares us to be righteous. He gives us good works to perform, not as punishment, but as those things to do because we are part of his family. In other words, he makes us partakers in all of his kingdom. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I am the burner of cities, the destroyer of Sodom and Jerusalem. I cast into darkness the one who refuses my garments, who has neither faith nor good works. Yet I choose to be merciful, to pardon, to reconcile. I declare war, yet now in my son I declare peace. I choose for my sovereignty to be generous and merciful, to raise the dead, to fill the banquet hall and the hearts of repentant sinners with the greatest joy imaginable. The kingdom of God is like a king who is unlike every king on the face of the earth. We live in this kingdom not by the happy circumstances of our birth or by acts of violence, but it is out of grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Well, pastor, you might say, what if you think that your faith is insincere or lacking? What if you think that you are the one who has refused the wedding garment? What if you think that you are the hypocrite and the liar? Repent. Stop looking at your faith. Look instead to Jesus and his word. We should trust the promises of God and look to the objective reality of what he has done and of what he has said, rather than to our own hearts and to our own works. We should repent, absolutely. But our hope comes not from our own repentance and how complete it is. Our hope is in the objective reality of Christ's sacrifice and his promises that he has made to us. If we look to our faith, we'll always find it lacking. If we look to our efforts, we will see that they're always stained with sins. How often do we look over our shoulders to see who saw that good thing that we did? So the question isn't, do I believe in Jesus enough? If it were, we would be doomed. We haven't believed enough. The question is, did Jesus die for the world? And am I part of the world? Yes, he did. And yes, I am. There is hope and comfort, not in my faith, which is often weak, but in the God's promises and in his grace, which is what he gives to us through our faith. I am baptized. He has put his name upon me. And though I am not worthy of it, that I often do not live up to it, and I sometimes try to forget it, and sometimes I even doubt it, I have often betrayed it. Nevertheless, the fact that I am baptized into Christ is a historical fact. I can walk into my office right now and look at my baptism certificate and see on the day in which I was actually baptized into Christ. And when he did that, 
He claimed me to be his own, and he will not let me go. Jesus did not die in vain, and he is now not dead, but in fact, he is living. He has died for me, and he has been raised for my justification. I am not worthy. I did not invite myself, but he invited me. He says, friend, come up higher. Though my heart is fickle, my reason and my conscience can lie and deceive, the word of God does not lie, and it does not deceive. In fact, he is the one who sent the servants to gather up the good and the bad from the corners of the earth. And so the question isn't whether I am good or bad. The question is, did he send them out or not? Did he include even me? Was he sincere in his effort or not? Is the invitation valid? The answer to all of those questions is a resounding yes. Because God's word is trustworthy and true. And is guaranteed to us by the very blood of his son Jesus. In Jesus' name. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.